not a terrorist. Stick up for the First Amendment. Nobody voted for you. Went to Lafayette Square. Yeah. First Amendment. Cause Trump don't care. November vote blue. Get the kids out of the cages. Get out and vote. And increase our wages. Come on now. You're listening to Heron America. And we have a special guest today. An incredible actor. You've seen him in Sons of Anarchy, Meet the Browns, Shades of Blue. He's been in so many different films and TV shows. He's not only one of the best upcoming actors right now in Hollywood, he's also a great guy. My friend, Antonio Jaramillo. How you doing, Antonio? Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Rick? Good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, you grew up in Tijuana. I was born in Tijuana, and I spent a little time in Tijuana because then I, I grew up in an orphanage in Tecate, which is about two hours from Tijuana. I had actually family from Tecate. My family grew up in San Diego, and my grandfather had a place in Tijuana. I would go there as a kid to go visit him. So anyone who doubts my Mexican roots, that I actually would hang out with my grandfather in Tijuana, and he raised fighting cocks. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's about as Mexican as it gets. That really is. That uh, luchadoring on the side might be making him extra Mexican. So you grew up in <laughs> in uh, an orphanage, no doubt about it. That must have been rough. Well, I spent 10 years there. My parents were separated. My mom was young, very young in her early 20s with three kids. Mm-hmm. And her marriage was not going forward. And so she was on her own and could not do it with three kids. So me and my brother ended up in an orphanage for 10 years. And my sister remained with my mom. Good. And, you know, an orphanage is an orphanage. It's not like the movies Harry Potter. It's uh, you didn't have a Hogwarts experience, anything like that. There was no uh, no, there was no magical tunnels. There was no flying, you know, whatever carpet rides. There was uh, whatever. And there was no. It was just a lot of uh, uh, time by yourself, a lot of solitude, a lot of looking into yourself and you're a child, and wondering what the hell, what am I doing here, what happened, what did I do, and then being beat up by the other kids that have already been there for many years, and then eventually you snap out of it, and then you beat up the other kids that you know the new ones that come in and it's just mm-hmm. a it's the circle of life the circle of orphanage life yes yes you gotta, you gotta toughen up real quick or it's not gonna work out well for you but look what you did you came back and and what, what i love about you is you actually reached back you've worked to raise money for orphanages well i always like to give back in whatever way i can i think we should as a community as a society i think if much is given to you much more is expected of you and i think it's good to give back you know we should always help those that have less the unfortunate you know the people i guess in tough situations in life whatever that may be whether it's sickness whether it's by choice whether it's lack of education or whatever you know without judgment without prejudice just just help even if it's a cup of coffee a couple dollars a blanket just let them know that you know we're not alone in this world everybody's fighting their own battle you know? i know you called me about the work you do with raising money for orphanages and you continue to there's a name for that organization well there was an organization that a friend of mine started i don't know if if it's still uh, active. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend started it. Footprint, I think it was called. He's a fashion designer and he asked me to be involved, but I don't know if it's active, you know, but I still do it on my own in whatever way I can. I know a couple orphanages in Rosarito and Tijuana and when I can, I gather things together, clothes or whatever and, and go and donate them. Or sometimes, you know, what I've done is I've gone over there to a small orphanage, you know, where, where there's like maybe under 
30 people. And I just tell them, hey, let's go eat. And so we all get on their little buses or vans and we go to the pizza place or taco place. And then we just eat and laugh and be with each other. And that's it. Nice. You know, that's the, it's just, just being among each other and, and letting each other know that we're just we're just human beings. You know, it's, it's just, you know, but we'll be out of here soon. Life is too short and we're no better than another human being just because we have a little more money or a better car or a better house or whatever. You know, we're just a human being and things can change. I mean, like that. In your in your case, I mean, you you were on Mayans for many seasons and people loved your work. You've continued to work and you have a certain amount of fame. You get recognized all the time. But what I love about you is you've always given back. You have a certain amount of humility, which to me is just says a lot about you. Because uh, I've, I've met guys less talented than you with a bigger ego. And I have to say your humility is what makes you special as an artist and as a person. Uh, thank you, Rick. And it's ingrained in me. You know, where I grew up, it let me see another perspective of life. So we all behave and act in, in our lives according to the perspective we have of life. And if you don't have a broad perspective, then you tend to be arrogant and egotistical and stuff by yourself. And I'm not excusing that behavior from those people. But when you, you know, like Danny Trejo and other people that have gone through certain circumstances in life, it shapes you. It lets you know that things can change in a seconds so then you have more humility and you help others and you are the new generation you're moving up you're really you know making your mark and i, I see it every time i'm writing I'm, I'm figuring out how i can write you a role because you have that ability you i've seen you on stage i've seen you in front of cameras i've seen you do this work so you're adapting to this new pandemic world we're living in like we all are what would you say the best advice you can give someone right now you know, I really don't have any words to what's going on. Seriously, I don't know what I could possibly say to another human being because what is happening right now, it's it's pretty ugly. And and, uh, and it's 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 worse for other people. I mean, there's people just hanging by a string right now. Yeah. You know, those that have more, we have the ability to sustain the hit a little better. Mm -hmm. But there's people that are that are that have lost everything. Their, their businesses, uh, maybe their cars will get repo. Maybe they lose their homes. Maybe they don't have enough money for rent and, and the federal assistance is about to end so it's pretty ugly right now we have an administration that doesn't really care about the people you know they're very yeah. selfish and i'm glad that in november we'll have a new administration because it's very needed right now but mm -hmm. it's it's been uh it's been really ugly you know i think it's gone on for too long for me there's moments of enjoyment because i get to spend a lot of time with my daughter mm -hmm. and that's great and i get to sit back and reflect on, on things and life what i need what i don't need so it makes me think a lot which is great you know we're reflecting time, you're, you're... i'm ready to get back to work and i'm sure there's a lot of people out there i mean they just want to get back to work and so many industries have been crippled by this pandemic so i don't know what i could say all i could say is that if i could hug them i would hug them i would hug every single human being to let them know that i know what that is like i know what that is like and, and i wish that it wasn't so because it's pretty ugly and we just got to get out there and vote and one last thing sure. about the emmys how we're completely overlooked <laughs> yeah it's almost we're always so overlooked that it's almost we forget we, we, I think we'd be actually surprised. You know, uh, I, I know yeah, Eddie. it's a mistake. What? <laughs> yeah, there must be some problem here. What are, you, what are you talking about? You know, it's Edward James almost, you know, recently did a, a Fox interview. I think it was great. They talked about what's going on with the Emmys and our lack of representation and our lack of seeing us. You know, that's one of the reasons I created Latino Thought Makers. One of the reasons I do the show Naher in America. I want to show people that I admire. 
you know, people that, that honestly I like and admire and I want other people to meet them. I want to put people together because I think we're all better together than apart. And that's the bottom line. I think when you look at the Emmys and shows that are not seen, we have to remember that it wasn't for Desi Arnaz, we wouldn't have the three camera sitcom. We wouldn't have a lot of stuff that he's created in Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. I mean, he was one of the pioneers, him and, and Lucille Ball, his wife. Yeah. And they do, were amazing and they took such risk. But we forget, you know, we forget people like you just mentioned an icon, you know, Mr. Eddie Olmos. I mean, he, the guy's been, I mean, I don't know what, five decades? I don't even know how long, but he's been just moving us forward. And he's really gone through some times in the industry where we were completely like non-existent, you know, and people like him that have paved the way for, for me and, and people in my generation. He, I mean, the guy deserves some recognition for so much work that he's done. And I I know he's been recognized sometimes, but not enough. Not enough. Just like Rita Moreno, too, on her show. Um, yeah, One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time. You know, I mean, uh, she's wonderful, and she still gets, you know, overlooked. But oh. there's so many people are in, in our industry that get overlooked. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's it's rare. It's rare. I mean, look at Edward James Olmos. He's got an, he's an Oscar-nominated actor, you know, the highest form. He's been on Broadway. He's all these thousand things. And, you know, he's on the Mayans currently right now. He does tons of films, but a lot of times he's overlooked. It's a bad position because I look at that and I say, you know, look at him, look at Rita Moreno, look at the people, the icons that we do have in our culture and, and have contributed to this country. And and they're, we're overlooked all the time, but unfortunately we're overlooked what we give to this country and what we've brought to this country. You know, more per capita Medal of Honor winners among Mexican-Americans than any other group. I mean, this is a fact. So I want to leave with a positive note. What you okay. were doing, you know, helping out orphanages, being an orphan and really working yourself up in Hollywood to such a position, you are what I I would say is the hope. I think you make our community better and brighter, and I just want to thank you for all your work. I'm a big fan. Thank you. I just think, Antonio, you're, I see a bright future for you. Check out Antonio Jaramillo. You'll see him on so many different shows. I'll put a list on our site so you can take a look what he's up to and what he's doing, but uh, you're one of the people that are keeping a smile on my face, and thank you for all the work you do. Ladies and gentlemen, Antonio Jaramillo. Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Nahara in America podcast. The podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear it like it is. Nahara in America, stay tuned. Something new is always happening. Nahara in America. Welcome back to Nahara in America. We have a very special guest today. You've seen him in Stand and Deliver, American Me, Battlestar Galactica, Miami Vice, Blade Runner, and currently he's on Mayans MC, my good friend, Edward James Almost. Hey, Eddie, how you doing? Very good, Rick. How are you? Good. So now we're going through this COVID thing. How are you adjusting to all this? It's been a little tough. I mean, basically, um, I'm living by myself, and uh, once in a while I'll see a person. In the last, say, four months, I've seen maybe three families that have come by and or by their house, and they're all in isolation and they're all quarantined so but i haven't gone really out at all just stayed in my, in my space and maintaining a sense of uh, calmness and understanding how difficult it is right now for people it's so hard for everybody but especially for those that have to work and have to keep on uh, going out into this contaminated situation that's why we're losing so many latinos they just cannot isolate themselves they have to continue to work many people aren't getting that government check things aren't going well for them and the frontline workers, like people in meatpacking plants in Arkansas, our people are, are dying. I know recently you did something for you know migrant farm workers. You raised money online for migrant farm workers. So it's not stopping you. Your life purpose, which is to lift up our people. 
It's been really lifelong understanding. The more you give, the more you receive. And I've received so much in my lifetime giving back. So uh, it's been a pretty strong understanding, and I continue to towards that. And in this period in time, uh, because of the advent of the electronic equipment that we have, it's really become uh, pretty effective in many ways. People can, uh, I can talk to uh, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, at a time. It's uh, amazing. You know, basically just keep yourself moving towards uh, the common good uniting we need the unification of humanity it's uh, i don't know how it happened but well i should say i do know how it happened uh divided ourselves up at the most extreme uh, understanding and that is of culture and continue to move towards divisiveness of cultures instead of the unification of the races and there's only one race and that's the human race mm-hmm. and inside of that human race there are extraordinary cultures caucasian the indigenous the african the asian and especially latino cultures there's you know complete unique and there's a difference between like the argentinian and the cuban or the mexican and the el salvadorian and the dominican they're completely their own world just like the asians japanese and the koreans chinese the healthiest environments in terms of nature have a huge amount of biodiversity i think it's true with, with culture and people the more diversity we have in terms of culture we have a better understanding of how to view the world we're seeing it from different eyes in different cultures i believe you're absolutely right that this is a time we need unification in America to understand diversity is our strength, not our weakness. And the more unified we as a country, the better we can combat this virus. Even if they were to come up with a vaccine next month, you'd still have it out of control. It's just out of control. And um, that's the difficulty. Now that they're really realizing that the United States is the most devastated country with the spread of the virus due to the fact of lack of, of unification of the federal government, starting with the president just wearing his mask. I think he started wearing his mask last week. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, July 22nd, 23rd. You know, we've been in this since January 21st when we started recognizing the fact that there was a pandemic or a virus mm-hmm. that escaped out of China that and affecting the world trying to understand it. And of course, some countries immediately on the 22nd of January went into complete uh, lockdown mm-hmm. and refused to allow it into their countries. And they were very successful. Yeah, you know, you... Any, any virus that they caught coming in with their people who are coming back to their country, they isolated them and they uh, put them into quarantine. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody that was outside of the country coming into the country had to be quarantined two weeks. And it worked. They had no deaths in Mongolia. You know, in Mongolia, now there are millions and millions of people there. Same but, with uh, Vietnam. You know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't lose any people. No, ironically, Vietnam has lost no one, zero people. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they've been so good. There was a British uh, airline pilot that caught it. They took care of him in Vietnam, nursed him back to health. He, he looked like he wasn't going to make it and truly showed kindness and compassion to him and applauded him when he left the, the hospital. He became a story they cared about. That's yep. the human compassion we need to fight this virus. And you have been one of the most compassionate humans I've ever met. So kind of people. And with a very simple thing of love one another. What would you say to someone right now, what they should be doing if they're home, alone, isolated, ways to help deal with all this? What advice would you give them? Well, for one is to make sure that they can stay strong and healthy. So staying strong means that you have to physically stay in condition by yourself, because I'm here by myself, so I have to discipline myself to do my, my physical exercises and then uh, I have to make sure that I clean my myself and my hands and my, wear my masks. I go out very little. I mean, if I go out once uh, for 15 or 20 minutes a week, it's... Uh it's probably too much. See, I'm, I'm uh, 73 going to 74, so I hit that age range in which it's, it's pretty difficult to find 
catch it, it's going to be a, uh, it'll be a, a real test of uh, my strength and my immune system. Death has hit people of my age range and older. And uh, along with being Latino, and we more than that, Jesus, more than almost sixty percent percent of the people that are getting it, you know, are Latino and uh, African American. It's just so it's it's a situation that would, that would just tell anybody that's isolated right now. First of all, for most, take care of yourself mentally, spiritually, and physically, mm-hmm. and uh, and eat and try to understand by paying attention to what's going on. This virus has affected you personally as well, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. I've lost so far. I've lost um, two first. Cousins that died within a 12 day period. One was a doctor, Salvador Olmos, mm. and he worked in, in the hospital and he contracted it and brought it home. His wife and two of his three children got it. Then mm. six days after the wife showed the first signs of it, she was dead. Mm. And then six days after she died, my cousin, the doctor, died. So within 12 days, they both died. Uh, the children, who are 35 and 38, are still struggling. One's in, still in isolated condition, ICU, and the other one has now actually gotten to go back to their house. It's been very tragic. And then my sister, my sister was a nurse who's worked in the hospitals also, contracted it within a matter of three days. She was like going to be intubated and I talked them into using uh, oxygenation instead of intubation and we got them to put pure oxygen 100% pure oxygen into the lungs for eight hours they did it for that they were just testing it then um, they gave her that and between both pure oxygen and recidivir they uh, she pulled through asked her please <laughs> Wait until they give you the right equipment before you go back in there. But, you know. She's cares. You can't. You can, yeah, you couldn't stop her. Yeah. You know, that's her life. Well, it's, I, I know the example of your mother who worked in uh, AIDS wards in, during the time of that pandemic. I've seen your family be frontline people. You are definitely experiencing it. You're, you're part of the, the solution of looking at people and telling them to take care of themselves is so important. And then look after one another. So wear your mask. Yeah, that's something as simple as that. I mean, something as basic as understanding. I think this is going to be something that people will understand. I remember in the 50s, my father got his tickets to go to Mexico City, and it must have been about 55, 56, I was maybe about 9 years old, 10 years old. He flew us in, and when we at the airport, I saw people, Asian people, walking through the airport with masks on. You know, obviously, there's a reason why they're wearing a mask, I thought to myself. But then... I started to realize that every time I went to the airport, I would always see some people who were wearing masks and uh, walking amongst the people. And then, of course, as I got older, I started to realize that what they were doing was they were protecting themselves. I thought that that was their first intent of protecting themselves from, say, germs. And then I realized, of course, this pandemic hit, that really it's not about wearing a mask to help you from getting it. It's from you spreading it to other people. And so now I started saying to myself, my God, these people who have been wearing masks have been indicating that maybe I have something and I don't want to give it to you. So I'm putting on this mask. And so I thought, wow, these people are really caring and understanding people. So anybody I see with a mask on, I kind of just smile and say thank you to them. And now in the pandemic, it's ridiculous. I mean, everyone should be wearing a mask. That's... Everyone. Anytime you go out in the public and anytime you're outside in the streets, now they know that if you're walking down the street and uh, you're outside, granted that the dissipation of it through the air structure, it lasts a long time in the air. Yeah, they're saying 26 feet, it can... Uh... Get you. Yeah, and it'll hang there. It'll just hang in the air, especially if you sneeze. Yeah. So basically, I just, uh, you know, just say to people, please understand that you, you, 
you're wearing this mask to help others. You're not wearing it to help yourself. Think about others. Don't think about yourself. What What's going to happen in the world we're living in now is we're going to need to take a moment back, rethink our lives, take this time to really go back and check out your lives and see what you can do to make others' lives better and as well as your own. It's really about, in some ways, I would say self-care. There, There is a very dangerous virus out there. It is affecting people, as, as you said. It's not a hoax, folks. So wear your mask. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks for coming on the show, Naharan America. Here we had a special episode with Edward James Olmos. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick, for everything you're doing for the community and for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. The podcast that isn't afraid to tell it like it is to people who aren't afraid to hear it like it is. Naharan America. Stay tuned. Something new is always happening. Welcome back to Naharan America. We have a very special guest today. A great guy, great actor. You've seen him in Superior Donuts and a fantastic stand-up comedian. His own special on HBO. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Rivera. Rick, how's it going, man? How's it going with you? Good, man. Doing good. You know, well, as good as I can during a pandemic. I went to coffee with someone. I went inside the restaurant. And inside the restaurant, everyone had the surgical mask, all that stuff. And they were going to serve me outside. And I sit down with my friend. And he goes, how you doing? I go, I'm in a pandemic. How are you doing? Are you in a pandemic? Yeah. It's like half of us don't think the one's going on. And the other half are terrified. Or the other third are, are thinking, I'm going to die. Yeah, there's, there's a pandemic. There's a civil rights movement. There's all yeah. this stuff happening. Yeah, it's... An election. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to process. Being on the road before the pandemic, of course, were you able to take your kids? Uh, it depended. Like, my wife was always one of those people. Like, she, if it was a location she wanted to go, we all went as a family like hawaii you know vegas oh, when do we leave yeah, yeah. orlando disney when do, when, when do we go how yeah. long are we going for if i'm going to cleveland or detroit no offense to them but then it was like listen just be careful uh-huh. we'll see you when you get back yeah and uh bring home the check yeah, good luck at that Motel 6. Uh, bring back yeah. the check. Yeah. Well, my wife works in travel, so she gets the premier destinations of Cabo San Lucas and these great places. And so it's really oh. hard to compete with her because, like, we're going to go to Cabo, and my kid said, is it four-star or five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny when, uh, when, like, you know, you have kids, especially, like, in a city like L.A. or New York, and they're used to certain amenities. And if I would have said something like that, my dad would have backhanded me. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> you can't get married. Because like, eh, that's what I taught them. We're going through that now because my oldest one, he's seven, so he goes to school and mm-hmm. he starts having the play dates and stuff and he comes home and goes, oh, so-and-so, you know, his mom and dad bought him a, one of those hoverboards. How come you guys never bought me one? I'm like, well, that mom and dad love that kid more. That's it, man. That's, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, or, or like I, I tell my kids, I'll say, well, why didn't you get this? And I go, well, if I had it one less of you kids, you probably would have got that. <laughs> and yeah. You tell me which brother or sister you want to not be here anymore. And we'll work it out. It's funny, cause, but like I do want my kid to at least know the value of a dollar. Like yeah. I feel like sometimes a lot of these kids grow up and they're so out of touch of how much something is. Like you know, now if we go to Target or something. Oh. my kid knows. He knows the pricing, and he and he's kind of understands. Like, oh, that's a lot of money, so I'm not gonna ask for that. Or hey, maybe can we get this? If not that, you know, this one's five dollars. Like, so he at least understands the value of stuff. Yeah, which I like. We are definitely a different generation. I think that's that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, a little 
uh, a little crap for my family. You know, first time going back east to visit them and, you know, them seeing me with the boys. And I'm like, all right, guys, what do you guys want for dinner? We got this, so we got that. And they're like, oh, you give options. Yeah. Oh, wow, look at this guy, Mr. Options. It's like, well, I do want them to at least make a choice or start knowing what they like or what they don't like. But yeah, growing up, like, if you didn't like dinner, guess what? You weren't having dinner. Yeah. Mom was, my mom was not going to go back in the kitchen and try to whip something up to my tastes. Oh, there was no, there was no sending it back. Can you send this back yeah. to the chef? It's just not. Just my, my steak yeah. was a little underdone. Yeah, that never happened. In fact, I remember my dad, he made a thing called Rebel Stew, which I uh-huh. still don't know what it was. It was like potatoes, hot dogs, eggs, like everything thrown in there and, and just cooked up. He made it fun. He would sit there and go, this is like yeah. Rebel Stew. is what we got in the Army. And I'm like, no one you didn't get this in the Army. You know, all these things. But they entertained us. I think we're losing our own entertainment. My kids, I got PlayStations everywhere. They're in their phones. And so I'm going, listen, even if I took you to a five-star place, you're still going to be on your phone. So you're not even appreciated. Right. Yeah, I've tried to limit screens and stuff. Like some of his family members, cousins and friends are like, oh, they got phones. They got iPads. I'm like, well, you're not, who you, you can call me. You don't, need, you don't need my number. You're good. I'm always with you. My kid was turning to me. He's, yeah, I got the new iPhone. He's like, oh, you got the new iPhone. I'm like, yeah. I'm the one bringing in money right now. You're so far the deficit. I'm going to worry <laughs> about getting you the brand new iPhone. What exactly are you using that for? A corporate merger? Yeah. It's just crazy. Now, your wife isn't Latina, right? No, she's a white girl from Maryland. Not even from like DC, because when I say Maryland, people are always like, oh, like DC. I'm like, no, she's like Western Maryland. I always joke, like, when you, as a comic, when you travel, especially a, a comic of color, like, once you start seeing, like, a lot of camo hats and chewing tobacco, you start getting nervous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's, like, the little town where she's from. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of that. Pickup trucks and camo hats, and you see, like, deer, and you're like, ah, I don't know. My wife is white. You didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can clap for that. That is an accomplishment. <laughs> I noticed the differences when we went to visit each other's families. Ready? I don't want to say her parents are racist because that's such a strong word. <laughs> but they did racist things. First time I met them, we go over to the house for dinner. Her mother runs up to me. She's like, oh my God, I've heard so much about you. So excited to finally meet you. Got a surprise for you. <laughs> Runs into the kitchen, comes back out. She's like, guacamole. (laughs) She didn't do it to be mean, but in my head, I was like, really? We're going to break a piñata too? What is this? (laughs) But it goes both ways. We also noticed the differences when she came to my house. She tried to impress my dad with her fancy education. My dad's old school, blue collar. He had no clue what the hell she was talking about. She sat there. She's like, you know, I've got my BF in finance. I recently acquired my CPA. I want to go back to school, get my MBA, and one day have my PhD. My dad was like, oh, wow. I have HBO. (laughs) GPS. And TNT. I know drama. (laughs) Now, was there a lot of cultural difference? I know I found that with my own wife. Luckily for me, like, my wife is one of those people, you know, she knows where she came from is sort of like a bubble town. Like, we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, sometimes people are just stuck in these bubbles, and it's so quick to paint them and be like, oh, this person is racist. 
Or sometimes it's just they don't know any better. Yeah. I'm not so quick to jump in like, oh, racist. I'm like, hold on. Let's see what this is about. Like when I first met my mother-in-law, I used to tell the joke. First time I came over, she was like super excited to meet me. She had bought like store-bought guacamole. She mm-hmm. was like, huh? Just for you. And it's like, oh, you don't know any better. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah. That's going to get you in trouble. I had the neighbors saying, you know, we've made you tacos. They had tacos every Friday. And I finally yeah. turned to them after eight weeks and I said, man, you guys really love tacos. And the woman <laughs> looks at me and says, well, we just thought you'd be more comfortable with tacos. We don't like tacos at all. My in-laws or that family used to do that as well. I like would go visit them in Maryland. Again, Western Maryland, mm-hmm. not a lot of Latinos. And they would take me to this one Mexican restaurant, which was awful. They would take me there all the time. And one time I, I told my wife, I was just like, why do we keep going here? The food is so bad. Especially at that point, we had been living in L.A., Mm-hmm. where you have the best Mexican food. Yeah. And she was just like, they take you there because they think that's what you want to eat. And until you say something, they're going to keep going there. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got to stop that. Yeah, I can't get angry at them because they honestly are trying to help. Oh, yeah, they don't know better. That's why I always say, like, before you jump and, like, start yelling and calling yeah. someone racist, find out first what the upbringing is. Like, where parts of her family still don't. And they're like, what are you talking about? Everything's fair. You know? No, no, I, I had like, the same no, thing. No, it's not. They, they turned to me in one day and they said, Rick, you really don't believe there's prejudice do you? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, I kind of do. I really uh, do believe it's there. And it's like, seriously? Like, it was such a surprise. And I think now people are becoming more aware of it because it's camera phones. So people are capturing these moments or we're starting to see it even more like uh, with this latest thing with the with the Emmys. It's like, there's no representation. It's like, what, what are you talking about? And you start seeing the numbers and you're like, oh, there well, isn't. Our nature is to mix. Our nature is to cross borders, to be in the world, all that stuff. That's our nature. And the other stuff, it isn't nature. It's stopping it. That's what I think about truly about prejudice is that we're holding people back, men, women, LGBTQ, all these different groups from being the greatest person they can be. It's a lot of energy to hold people down. It really is. So when's the yeah. next? And I know you're working on an on a animated project. Yeah, I teamed up with uh, two other writers, Peter Maria and Isaac Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter's been around for years. Yeah. He's like the go-to Latino showrunner mm-hmm. and uh, Isaac, uh, you know, up and coming. He, he just recently did Mr. Iglesias, uh, uh, Legends of Chamberlain Place over Comedy Central, Border Town for Fox. Me and Isaac were just, you know, one day just talking, uh, you know, just an idea of like, oh, you know, the current state of affairs and how we felt about it. And we came up with this like crazy idea of, of a guy who's just down on his luck and has had enough and all of a sudden this angel from the east side of heaven comes out and just starts giving him advice. Some of it bad, some of it good, but he's going to start taking control of his life. And it was one of those things where we both reached out to Peter and were like, we think we have an idea here. It might sound crazy. Let us know what you think. And as soon as he heard it, he, you know, he lit up and he's like, no, no, this is a great idea. This is something we've never seen before and we definitely need that voice. That's so great. Well, I, I can't wait to see it. I, I love your work. I definitely got to work with you sometime. We got to get together. Oh, if this pandemic's over, we got to get lunch. And um, yes. just Keep doing what uh, you're doing. Not, uh, we don't have to go and get tacos. We can have whatever we want, right? No. We if, can, we, <laughs> if we want salad, we can go get it. We can go for some sushi. How about that? We'll just go Perfect. for the, the Pacific side of ourselves. Um, different culture altogether. Different culture altogether. We can, you know, although they do have rice, which both our cultures like. So thank you, Eric, for coming on the show. Nahar in America, I, I love talking to you. I want to keep hearing what you're doing next. You're always welcome. Eric Rivera. Thanks so much, man. Nahar in America, something new is always happening.